Thank you, folks, praise team, all these musicians. It is good to be here. I just want you to know, Diana and I are thrilled to be back in this town. As I said last week, or maybe it's two weeks ago, on the video, we need a Sherwood hug. And uh, we've, uh, we've already gotten a few since we've been here. God bless you. I'm just glad to see you in person. Uh, are these not crazy days? Good night, alive. It's absolutely amazing. I hope, and I just uh, want to say this from the bottom of my heart, I hope that you, along with everyone else in the church family, uh, I know Diane and I are, are thoroughly engaged in praying for and giving to meet the need. Um, we couldn't wait to get down here so we could give our offering. I've already done it, and I need somebody to follow Jim McBride around to make sure he deposits it. it he's not to be trusted, you know. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure that he will. Uh, I want to encourage you to, um, to be back this evening. I think, Garrett, isn't the choir singing tonight, Mark? Yeah. For the first time, we're going to have the choir back tonight. And uh, I'm going to be able to share the, God willing, the sixth of the six messages on steady in your storm tonight, Resolve, from Philippians 4, 9. You might want to study up on that. And there are just a lot of exciting things happening tonight. You, you need to be here this evening. We're going to have a wonderful, wonderful time together. Well, would you open your Bible to the 16th Psalm, Psalm 16. And I'm going to take a little detour this morning from this series. As I said, I'm going to preach that message this evening, God willing. And I'd like to speak to you this morning on this subject, how to settle down when you're shaken up. How to settle down when you're shaken up. Someone said recently that if there was one psychological or emotional characteristic of these days, it is that everyone is just shaken up. People walk around with their furrowed brows and wondering about what the future has in store for them. And um, you know, you just, if you're not careful, you can, you can become overwrought about everything that's happening in this world, whether it's global or uh, whether it's in our nation, national, whether it's local, whether it's personal. It would be a very, very strange uh, thing if there were not someone in a group this size who this week didn't receive some information that... Um, has left you shaken up. Maybe it's about your physical health. Maybe it is about your family. You know, it, it's hard. It, it, as I've said before, and uh, I heard someone say years ago, you can't be happier than your saddest child. And so maybe someone of you got news this week that has left you, that has left you troubled and disconcerted, and you're having a little trouble focusing, in fact, this morning. How do you settle down when you're shaken up. Psalm 16 is one of a cluster of psalms that 
are called miktam psalms. Some people call them the golden psalms. Um, you'll find these repeated in the New Testament in relation to the atoning work of Christ more than any of the other psalms, this little cluster of psalms, Psalm 16 being uh, one of those. These psalms, in all likelihood, were written um, at some down times in David's life. He, it was early in his life. He was hunted incessantly by Saul. There was scarcely a time when he had not received word that Saul and his army was out looking for him again. But occasionally there would be those moments when he would just settle down and reflect. And Psalm 16 is one of those psalms. I'd like for you to look at just, uh, just a few verses here. The text is verse 11, but I want you to see verse 8, if you would. He said, I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My glory rejoices. My flesh will dwell securely. You'll not abandon my soul to shield. This is quoted in the New Testament, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. Now, here's the text for this morning. You will make me know the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, you may have the word in. Some of you have the word at, which may be a more accurate rendering of that little word. At your right hand, there are pleasures forever. I pray, Father, you will open our heart to these words from your word in these next few moments. Show us, Lord, how to settle down when we're shaken up. And I pray these things, Jesus, in your wonderful and precious name. Amen. I uh, walked into a church worship service recently and met a man whom I've known for a long time, and I've never seen such a worried look on his face. I said, well, how are you doing? He said, okay. I said, well, you know, I know you pretty well. That doesn't sound like a very positive okay, and you don't look okay. He said, well, I guess I'm not okay. And I said, you want to tell Brother Tom what the issue is? He said, I don't know what the issue is. I'm just not okay. I have met so many people like that in this last year. Have you? Uh, just, just there's an underlying, seething kind of unsettled, oftentimes it's irascible bitterness. We're not sure about uh, where we're... What causes all this? Of course, we know where it all comes from. If you don't believe it, I mean, just watch the news at night. That's their goal, to keep you unsettled. And you find out everything that's wrong every place, and in case you forgot it while you were asleep, you can turn the news on in the morning and get it all again. Because the idea is that, 
you know, if we can't keep you upset about something, you're not going to come back and watch us. And since we are a business and our business is based on traffic, we've got to create whatever it needs to be created in your heart to keep you worried so you need us. And we now have just baptized ourselves in that for over a year, right? I think it's time for the Scripture which tells us about the Lord to be taken literally by you and by me and put into practice in our lives. It's time for us to settle down. And I will just tell you this, people who can walk calmly right now shine like bright stars against the dark horizon of chaos in this world. I know what it's like to be concerned. I mean, I've got, I've got kids who are missionaries in Beirut, Lebanon. Hey, there's a safe place. I've got, I've got kids who are, who are involved in, in the Southeast Asia. Uh, that's not such a safe place. I, I've got children who are sharing the gospel. Diane and I have six kids, uh, 33 grandkids, soon to be 12 great-grandkids, and we're just young. We're just starting. I'm only 77, and so I'm ready to have a few more great-grandkids, right? Hey, listen, there's a lot of stuff going on in this world. There was a lot of stuff going on in David's life, but he learned how to settle down when he was shaken up. And do you notice that people whose lives were also shaken up just begin to gravitate to David? When he'd get back in that cave of Dulem where he would hide sometimes when he was on the run, people that were gathered around him, man, I mean, these were people who had, had created all kinds of problems and were in all kinds of trouble. But they saw something in David that brought peace to their heart. That's what we need. How do you settle down when you're shaken up? I want to encourage you, actually, the Scripture here encourages us to ask three questions. Here's the first. Am I on the right path? You will make known to me, said David, the path of life. Now, let me just say that whether you want to be or whether you think of yourself as being on a path is irrelevant. You are on a path. Life is not a dance where you just make a lot of movements and end up when it's all over in the same room. Life is a journey. We are, each of us, we are on a path. It is taking you someplace. I'm not sure where your path is taking you, but it is taking you somewhere. And David says here, you will make known to me the path of life. There is a path of life. Now, back in the um, early to mid-70s, that's a long time ago, there was an emphasis uh, sponsored by Campus Crusade out of which came a tract written by a man who has since passed away, was a friend of mine, Dr. Bill Bright. And Dr. Bright was from uh, Oklahoma. I first heard him when I would speak when I was a college student in the 60s. 
And uh, he was an incredible guy, but he wrote a little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. I would imagine almost everyone in this room has either seen it or heard of it. I don't know of any tract, gospel tract, that has been used to, to lead more people, hundreds, I, I started to say hundreds of thousands, literally millions of people, I think, by now, have come to know Christ because they've picked up this little booklet, and law number one says this, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that's true. He does love you. He does have a plan for your life. And the incredible thing about the plan of God for your life and my life is that, that you can know what it is. The Scripture tells us that it's not only factual, you will make known to me what? The, the path of life. It's findable, you'll make known that path to me. It, it's followable, I can follow it, you'll make known to me. And it's fulfilling, it's the path, it's the path of life. I've said, I think from this very platform here, that the plans of God are revealed to the man or woman of God by the Spirit of God through what? The Word of God. And so you can know the path. You can know what it is that God wants you to do day by day. You can, you can wake up in the morning and say, I am on the path that God has set for me. These may be hard days. These may be troubled times, but I'm on the right path. You can say that. I've talked to men and women for months now who, uh, they, in, in a panic, they've done certain things that have created nothing but trouble for them. They've taken positions. They, I mean, they've been panicked. They've been, they've been worried. But what they have done has not solved the problem. It's created more problems for them. And they don't have, they don't have peace at work. They don't have peace at home because they don't have peace in their heart. They are not settled down. They are, they are shaken up. Well, let me just say that you need to ask yourself this morning, am I on the right path? Can I say honestly that I'm following the path that God has set for me? That the way I spend my time, the focus of my life, I'm literally following the plan of God for my life. I talk to some people who have, for all practical purposes, given up. They've just said, you know, I don't know what all this stuff is about. I don't know where it's taking us all. I'm so concerned about the future. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I've just, I'm just given up. Well, don't do that. One of my mentors, and you all know that I love mentors, and I love my mentors, and one of them said to me uh, just weeks before he passed away, actually his death came to him as a surprise even though he was 101 plus uh, years of age at the time and had some of you saw him earlier on Fox News a year or so ago, you know, out distancing a 92-year-old guy in a race for old people, you know, and he, his, this guy was amazing. And he, he said to me, Don and I went down to see him in uh, Dallas, and he said, Tom, he said, I've been studying these NFL movies of, of games that were lost because a player started celebrating too early. He dropped the ball or he got tackled before he went across the goal line or he stepped out of bounds. He said, my advice to you is don't celebrate too early. 
He said, life is meant to be lived right out to the very end, so keep your head down, don't look back, keep digging. Don't celebrate too early. Some of you all have just, you've just said, well, I'm not really celebrating, but I'm just, I just see this is going to get worse and worse, and I'm going to go out, and uh, that's the way it's going to be. No! God has a path of life for you that ends in eternity with him in heaven if you receive Christ by faith as your Savior. So ask yourself this morning, am I on the right path? You will make known to me the path of life. Here's the second question you should ask. Am I in the right place? Am I in the right place? Notice what he says here. In your presence is fullness of joy. You want to know a life of joy? You want to know the kind of joy that only God can bring to you? He says, in your presence is fullness of joy. He doesn't say in this city or that city or in this house or with that job, or if you have this, or if you have that. He said, you can have, I can have fullness of joy no matter where I am as long as I'm at the right place, as long as I am in your presence. Now, folks, let me, let me just speak to you. We, we've had, for instance, before the, the service this morning, we had a time, we call it a time of worship. I worship. I mean, I, when I come to Sherwood, I always, I just, I have such a great time. Diane and I have talked about it. We just, we, we love you. We love this place. And no one has been such a friend and such an encouragement to us more than Michael Cat. He and Terry have been dear friends, our dear friends, and I know that you are joining me as we pray intensely for them during these days. But as we sit to talk together, the thing that captivates us is this, that in the presence of the Lord, no matter what is boiling around us in life, in the presence of the Lord, I can have, you can have what? Fullness of joy. Now, you can't spend uh, you can't say of yourself that I'm spending my time in the presence of God just because you're in church or even just because you're singing a song. See, if there is anything in your life or my life that is unsurrendered to the Lord, if there is any sin that we're hanging on to, you, you cannot worship and hang on to a sin at the same time because worship means you lay down everything at the feet of the Lord Jesus. And he's saying here that when I come to you, God, and I lay down everything before you, there's not one, God, you know my heart, you know what's in me. I, I'm not going to hang on to anything, whether it's a, an unforgiving spirit, whether it's greediness, whether it, it's some sin that, that is... Uh, uh, very common in this world, maybe a fleshly sin. I'm not, I'm not hanging on to anything. Lord, everything I lay at your feet, then we can worship him. 
And in his presence, there is what? There is fullness of joy. Now, um, that's a very simple formula. You want fullness of joy? Get to the presence of God. You want to get in the presence of God? Lay down everything at his feet. Totally surrender to him. A very, very simple formula. You know that. But there is in that a very sobering fact. What is that sobering fact? It is this, that if you don't have joy in your life, you're not living in his presence. I don't mean he doesn't see or hear or know what's going on, but you're not living in a, with a sense of the presence of God in your life. Totally unsurrendered. Something's wrong. That's why the Bible can say things that, that seem crazy to us, like fret not yourself because of evildoers. Well, why, man? We don't want evildoers around us. Why shouldn't we fret about that? How can we live a life where we experience the fullness of joy? We have to lay down everything at his feet. And if we're not living in that fullness of joy, we've not done that. There's an interesting, to me, it's a, it's, it's a, it's an incredibly interesting passage of Scripture. In Exodus chapter 32, 33, actually, it begins in 32 and goes all the way through, through chapter 34. But in that passage, we find Moses called of God to go up on Mount Sinai, this very familiar experience that, that even people who are not believers uh, know about this experience, when God gives the Ten Commandments. And you remember that Moses, uh, while he's on this mountain for these 40 days and nights, and God is speaking to him and writing God with his finger these Ten Commandments, you know, this is incredible what happens in the camp of Israel. Remember, they say, well, where's Moses? He's gone. You know, he's off on another trip. And they, they, they just, and, and of course, Moses, uh, uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's got his own relatives into the act here. And so, they stand up and say, well, you know, really what we need to do is sort of make our own, we need to make our own God. So they made a God of gold. You, you, you know this account in Exodus. And they begin to worry in, in drunkenness and debauchery. They begin to worship this God. And of course, God becomes very angry about this. Moses gets up, goes down the mountain, dashes those tablets of stone on the ground. He has to the next, it's going to be a little more trouble next time to get those back because he did that in anger. And then he wades into the camp and he deals with the people, grinds up the golden calf, turns into powder, makes the people drink water that's got all that golden powder in it. I mean, he deals with it. And then Moses says, I'm going to go back on that mountain and I'm going to see if I can make intercession for you because if I don't, we're going to die right here in this wilderness. And so Moses gets back on the, you see this in chapter 32, Moses gets back on the mountain and there he's pleading with God. God, he said, I, look, you promised you would take us out and you promised you'd give us safety. You promised you'd provide for us. You promised you'd get us to the promised land. And God said, okay, I'll, I'll give you what you're asking. I'll get you to the promised land. I'll provide for you and I'll, I'll have, I'll give you safety. You'll, you'll make it. It's just one thing, Moses, I won't be with you. I'll give all that to you. You can have all those things that you're at. I just won't be with you. 
Moses' heart stopped. Read about this. Moses says, God, he said, said, if your presence does not go with us, carry us not up from here. For wherein shall it be known that we are your people? Is it not in that you go with us? It's not that we get there. It's not that we have bread on the way. It's not that we're saying. It is that you are with us. And do you remember what happened? God, as Moses interceded, God said, all right, I will be with you. Now, do you live with a sense of God's presence in your life? Did you wake up this morning thinking more about um, how you're going to dress physically and what the fact that this is time change Sunday? By the way, you all get a purple heart when you go out the door. Uh, did, or did you wake up this morning with a sense, God, a, a looming sense of God's presence? There, there are seven prayers that I pray every day and the first of those seven prayers is that the lord will give me a looming sense of his presence as i walk through this day i want everywhere i go garrett everything i do i want everything jim i want everything to to have this sense of god's presence in it do you so ask yourself Am I at the right place? What's the right place in your presence? There is fullness of joy. Am I on the right path? Am I at the right place? Here's the third question. Am I in the right position? Am I in the right position? Position. Notice what he says here. In, and here again, the word perhaps better translate at. At your right hand, there are pleasures forever. At your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Now, the, uh, the right hand has incredible significance in the scripture and I, I won't take the time this morning we don't have the time to to unwrap everything of course that the Bible says about the right hand um, you know for instance that the right hand of God is the hand of his authority that's true in our culture as well as well my, my son recently um, swore in as a Navy chaplain. What did they do? They had him raise his right hand. This is the, this is the hand of authority, the right hand of God. When uh, Jacob, uh, uh, Jacob's wife Rachel was going through de the delivery of Benjamin, you know, she, she actually died in the process of this. You remember, she said, I want this boy to be called Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. And Jacob said, no, call him Benjamin, the son of my right hand. He, he is the, he's the one in my family that will have authority. 
So it's the, it's the hand of authority. You, you, you know that. Also, you know it's the hand of, um, it's the hand of acceptance. Um, do you remember when, for instance, when uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas went down to Jerusalem to, to check their theology out with the apostles? And he said at the end of that, Peter and James and John did what? It says in Galatians chapter 2, they extended to us the right hand of fellowship. Sometimes we talk about that in church. Uh, we're going to give somebody the right hand of fellowship. It is the right hand. It's a hand of acceptance. It, uh, the right hand is also the hand of affection. It represents this, everything that I have is his. The Bible tells us that, that Jesus, for instance, in Hebrews chapter 12, that when he, when he was finished with all this, he sat down where? At the right hand of the throne of God. doesn't mean that Jesus is not God. It just means when you see the heavenly throne there on the right side is the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit being the other two there, our triune God. And so it's the, it's the hand of authority, acceptance, affection, accomplishment. He had finished his work. But, but what I want you to see this morning is that because of that, the right hand in the Scripture also symbolizes availability. What, what do we say about someone who's such a good help to you? He's my what? Right-hand man. This is my right-hand man. And by the way, if you, if you go into the military or if you're in a large corporation, when sometimes people who are referred to as a, a right-hand man are referred to as someone who has what? The authority and the acceptance and the ability. In other words, they act in place of the person to whom they report. Well, I'm sending my, I'm sending my right-hand man out there. Whatever he says, you do that. He represents me, the right-hand man. Listen, I was, uh, I was in a funeral this week, um, and uh, it, was at a, it was at a church that I had the privilege of pastoring. In fact, um, uh, back, in the, back in the 70s, wonderful, delightful, thrilling experience to, to pastor that church. And I have many good friends in that church. And the Lord, as he has in Sherwood, the Lord just stepped in and God just blessed what happened at that church in those days. So here I was at this funeral. The, uh, the lady who had passed away was 90 years of age when she died. She was married to a, a friend of mine. In fact, he had been chairman of the pulpit committee when I went to that church. He was a brigadier general in the Air Force. And uh, he had passed away uh, several years earlier. So here is the, in, in, this, in this casket, is the physical remains of a, uh, a 90-year-old lady. And I, I looked out as I stood up to speak at this funeral. And, and there, first of all, I couldn't believe the number of people were there, given all that's going on. Secondly, 
I begin to see here and there, there and there, men with whom I'd had the privilege of serving on the staff. First of all, at that church, they were like my brothers. And then, then at another church or two, I mean, I mentally made a calculation. We, we shared together almost 150 years of ministry, those men. They were just, just, but they were all at this funeral, uh, same, you know, just there they were. Now, two of us had been bidden. The others were there just unbidden. And as I looked around, I thought, this is incredible because we, those, those we shared wonderful, wonderful memories of how, and a life together, and still today, of how God was moving. And when I was preparing my heart for this message, I thought, you know, the, the, you know what the, I'm not going to, I hate, almost want to use the word magic, but it wasn't, I don't like that word. So what the, what the secret was to all that was that all of us wanted desperately to be God's, at God's right hand. We didn't want, we're not asking like, you know, some of the early apostles, can we sit at your right hand? No, we just want to be available to God. But because of that, our hearts were bent toward being available to one another. It didn't make any difference what was going on or what time of the day or what the circumstances were. If any one of them called, the rest of us were there. We were each other's right hand men. When that happens in a church, and I think it has in this church, when that happens in a church, the world steps back in awe. They don't see this any place. But then when everybody in a church family begins to consider themselves each other's right-hand man or woman, whatever you need, whenever you need it, I'm there. I'm here to help you. When that happens, listen, folks, the world doesn't know how to handle that. It's unique to folks in the, in the Christian faith to have that kind of understanding of God that he is so big and he is so mighty. Here he is, sovereign of the universe. We can be available to him, but in so doing, we don't isolate ourselves from our brothers and sisters. We become their right-hand man. I'm there for you. You're there for me. I have no question about that. And I want to tell you something. When you live in that kind of an environment, it's true. At your right hand, Lord, it's amazing. There are pleasures forevermore. I told somebody recently, he was talking about the fact that, well, he was in a town. He didn't know what to do. And, and I, I turned to Diana and I said, what he needs is a church not just any church, but a church where everybody considers themselves right there at the hand, at the disposal of, available to God at your right hand, as close as I can get to you. There are pleasures forevermore. You shaking up? You distressed, disturbed by everything that's happened? I mean, has it made you a bad driver? What's happening in this world? 
Ask yourself this morning, am I on the right path? You will show me the path of life. Am I at the right place in your presence? There's fullness of joy. And am I in the right position? Lord, am I as close to you as I know how to be at your right hand, right there? There are pleasures forever. I'm going to ask you to bow your head, if you would, please. We're going to pray together. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask in just a few moments for our, just so that you will know where they're standing when the service is dismissed, I'm going to ask, in fact, right now I'm going to ask our, our pastors to come, our counselors to come and just stand right across uh, the front here, just so you'll know that they are here. And the moment this service is dismissed, if, if you cannot say, I know Christ and I know that I know him, I'm on the path of life, I would encourage you to come see one of these men and just say, look, I, I need to know I'm on the path of life. That's all you need to say. I mean, you, you can get up and come do that right now if you'd like. Just say, I need to know Jesus. I need to know that I'm on the path of life. If you're not a member of this church and you know, hey, I, I need a church home, I just want to tell you, if I live within 200 miles of this church, and I say this honestly, I would join this church. <laughs> I'd do everything I could get to get here on Sunday. I, you know, maybe 200 miles is stretching it a little bit, but I, I, you, you hear what I'm saying. I'd want to be a part of this church family. And so I'd urge you to come say to one of these men here at the front, I, I need to join this church. This is where I sense God leading me. But they're here to talk with you. And they're here to pray with you. Now, if you would say with me this morning, Dear Lord, I will admit that the circumstances in this world have got me shaken. But this morning, from your word, I have heard that there are at least three questions I need to ask. Am I on the right path? Am I at the right place? I, am I in the right position? Right there in the scripture. And Lord, by your grace, over the next several days, I know that I can settle down in the truth of those words and in your arms. And I will ask these questions. If you would say that, would you just quietly stand right where you are, just stand, not asking anybody to come forward, just stand up and say, I'll do that. So just stand right now. In the next several days, as I contemplate what's going on in my life, I'm going to ask these questions. Just stand up right where you are. God bless you. Amen. Amen. We'll wait just a moment. That's what I intend to do. I'm going to ask whether I'm on the right path in the right place, in the right position. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I want to pray for each of these people who's standing in this auditorium this morning. They're just saying, in the days ahead, as the circumstances of life begin to create ripples and and in my heart, I'm going to race to you. I'm going to ask these questions. 
because I know you have said you will make known to me the path of life. You have said in your presence is fullness of joy. You have said at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And so, Father, those questions will be my questions. Father in heaven, I pray thanking you for each of these folks who stand and for everyone, Lord, for your word, for the truth of your word, for the fact that everything else, everything else that is not commensurate with, in line with your word, we ought to consider suspect until we test it with the litmus of your word. Thank you, Lord, that there is peace in this world and because there can be peace in our hearts in these troubled days. Father, we love you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for our pastor, for, for Michael and for Terry. Our hearts are out in prayer for them at this moment. And Lord, I pray that you'd look down upon this group in this service right now and you would fill our hearts with that peace that passes all understanding, that it would keep our hearts and our minds in Jesus, in whose name I pray, amen. Thank you. Would you be seated, please? Garrett, would you come? Would you join me in thinking?